This is Ingredient Insiders. I'm John Magazino. And I'm Andrea Parkins. Each week, we'll be talking to chefs and food journalists about their favorite ingredients. We'll then be talking to food producers about how they make those ingredients and why they're so great. Today, we are getting our Greek on, Andrea. We are going to talk about Kalamata olives. Ooh. Are you an olive person? I am 100% an olive person. I feel really strongly about this. I remember my aunt took me to my first like food show in, at the convention center in Philly Yes, when I was like I don't know, eight years old. And she said I walked around to like all of the booths. What's and I a food show in Philly? Ooh, a food show in Philly. Well, you know, a food show is a place where... Is that like going to the boat show? Yes, it's like going to the boat show, but for food. There were so many olive producers there, as you, sure, I'm sure you've seen it, like the fancy food show or the New York yep. restaurant show. And I just ate all the olives. It was like my first time, and I just kind of became obsessed. So I think Kalamata olives are exciting. Some people don't like olives. I have friends sometimes who have said we don't like olives. Well, I mean, are they really your friends? That's the question. They are. Olives have bitterness to them quite often. Some of them, yeah. And I think some folks just equate bitterness with... Like bad? Badness. Yeah. When it comes to an olive, I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to be bitter. I agree. I mean, and also my drink is a dirty martini. Yeah. So... I'm a big olive fan. So Kalamata olives, how do you use them? What do you do with them? I consider them more of a like a table olive. They're a great olive just to kind of put out on a cheese board or a nice dish as part of a spread. Love pureeing them for... Tapenade. Tapenade. Yeah. I love them in my Greek salad. Yeah, of course. What do you think of those black olives that come in cans? Is it bad to admit that I like them? No, it's not. In fact, I'm going to divulge a dirty little secret. <laughs> when I was a kid, I would actually ask my mom to buy those cans. Mm -hmm. Those are like California olives. And I would open those cans and eat those things like candy. Mm -hmm. Today, I fully reject that product. I'm not, I don't have any use for them. Those are the kind of olives that you'll find, you know, maybe topping a pizza occasionally. If you get a salad at like a uh, highway rest stop type place, you might see those olives. Right. Those are not what we're talking about today. No. We are talking about these luscious, almost like a deep purple color, I feel, these Beautiful Sometimes they, there's such a thing as a blonde Kalamata, which is uh, almost like a beige colored olive. I've never seen that. Yeah, those are really nice too. One of my favorite trips that I've made over the years is to the Kalamata region of Greece itself. To see these enormous fields of olives growing Kalamata table olives is really quite a sight. Here's a little funny tidbit for you, Andrea. Yeah. Kalamata olive oil. Do you know what kind of olives they use to make that? Korniki. Oh my gosh, 100, A+. Plus. Well done. A lot of people assume that the olive oil in the Kalamata regions made with Kalamata olives. Kalamata olives are not a good olive for making olive oil. No. Does not contain the right properties to produce oil. So they're considered a table olive. So we're excited. We're going to talk to Harry Siros from Greece. That's our supplier of olives. Our area is famous for uh, olive trees that cultivated for many years. I can say more than 100 years. Yeah, and we're going to be speaking with Chef Inat Admoni from Balabusta, who makes one of my most favorite dishes in New York City, her fried olives with labna. She's famous for that. She's great Israeli chef doing wonders in New York. I have one and a half dish of olives right now. So the fried olives is a very, people come especially to Balabusta to have that dish. It's funny because they really crave for that. Can't wait to talk to them both. 
It's going to be a great show. This episode is in partnership with The Chef's Warehouse and produced by Hey Now Media. Andrea, I am super excited today in the studio in New York City today. We have Anat Admoni of Balabusta Restaurant and Taim, which makes probably the best falafel in America. One of my faves. I'm a fan. One of my first New York City restaurant experiences was at Balabusta when I moved here. The fried olives, olives with labna and the cauliflower, which is different now. It used to have the raisins and the, yeah, yeah. the Cur- pine nuts. Currants, pine nuts, and yeah. You're jumping right in. I'm sorry. About I'm just like so excited and- to be talking to Inat today. Well, welcome to uh, Ingredient Insiders. We're so excited to have you here, really. And we're talking about, you just mentioned olives. We're going to talk about Kalamata olives. Good. Why are we talking about Kalamata olives? Why not? I don't know. Uh, One of my signature dishes is the fried olives. And forever, I always mix Kalamata and manzanilla. So they have some green and black. I think now it's mostly calamara and I use it for other stuff too. But this is like, I start Balabusta with that dish. <laughs> it when is did Bala- so good. When did Balabusta open? 2010. 2010. So you're 11 years in. Yeah. And, and we I, moved two years ago to mm-hmm. West Village from Nolida. So you had a beautiful spot in the city now. Andrea and I were talking this morning, looking at a little bit about your history. You were, grew up close to Tel Aviv and then you cooked in the Israeli army. Yeah. Was that like your introduction to cooking or had you no, already been no, passionate no. about it? I was cooking forever. I was cooking since I remember myself. I grew up in a town, shitty town next to Tel Aviv called Bnei Brak. And my parents got very religious when we were young and uh, we had Friday night tradition. It's like Thanksgiving every weekend. And I always been cooking and helping my mom to prepare for Shabbat. So that's something like since I remember myself, I was in the kitchen cleaning rice grain by grain to peeling fava or break down cases of pomegranate, but I always been in the kitchen. The military, actually, I started as a driver, not a cook. Air Force, small division, young pilots, and I was the driver of that division. And back then, military for women was very different than today. There are maybe three different kind of jobs you can do. I'm mostly getting coffee to somebody. But I said, I can't. I'm making a really shitty coffee, so I need to do something else. <laughs> So I went and uh, I have a driver lances. Of course, as everywhere else, I became the cook very fast. So I started as a driver and then um, I started cooking. We had a small kitchen for the unit. So I started like experiment. And then I remember my commander like always said, oh, maybe you cook as this. And, and I started and I became like this chef that cooking all the general. It was also the goal for back then. So it was very tension and a lot of stress and I bet the food was amazing. It was okay. Yeah. Yeah. Back, it's so funny, you know, when you look back on things you used to do or your palate or what you used to like and the memories, it's very funny because back then what I did is, so Asian cuisine was very minimal in Israel. So I remember for one of the big meals for all the like high general in the air force, I made this roasted chicken, but like Chinese style. But what is Chinese for us back then? It's honey, soy, and garlic. And it's so funny today when I know so much about that culture and all kind of, it's funny how what I thought back then. It's great. When you say memories, you know, kind of going back to olives a little bit, what is your first memory of olives? Oh, my mom picking up olives in the Galilee, in the trees, bring it back home every time and cure them forever. So that's my first memory. They start with a really horrible, bitter taste and now slowly and slowly. And she used to bring this uh, specific one, Syrian, and she used to kind of like crush them and they were too bitter for me. 
And I do like olives. I always did. But they were super bitter. And she would clean the water every day and a long, long process. Would they be brined or would they be almost yeah. salt cured or sun-dried? So, so no, not sun-dried. First you would brine and then move the water all the time because they, they want to clean the water that it's not too bitter. And then she would brine them for a long time with some salt and some, she would put bay leaves, she would put some stuff and she keep it forever. And she have jars of different olives. And so it's, it's kind of like a table olive. Like, so if someone yeah. comes over, it's something you just like pull out and yeah. offer to guests. Yeah, yeah. But we cook, a, she cooked with olives. We always have olives, olive oil. It's it's a strong thing in my mom's cuisine. But yes, it's a table thing. It's something to snack next to all nuts and other stuff. And Israel also has some really good olive oil, right? Yeah, we have great olive oil. I have a friend she making, I think, the best. She's also connoisseur of olive oil, uh, Rish Lakish. It's one of my favorite olive oil. And I learned so much through them. I, I always take friends when I go. It's also in the Galilean. I always go and get some like education. Up in the north? Yeah, not mm -hmm. too bad. It's like two hours, one and a half from Tel Aviv. Everything is so sh close in Israel. It's mm -hmm. like, it's a tiny country. Yeah. So It's the size of New Jersey. Yeah, yeah. It's like eight hours you can do the whole country. But I learned so much, like how certain olive oil, how to pick up olive oil, how to taste olive oil. I'll never get a, a olive oil that in a plastic bottle. A lot of things I, I didn't know. You know, I don't have much butter in my kitchen. It's, I never cook with butter. I cook with olive oil. So for me, it's super important ingredients in my kitchen. So you do the fried olives, which Andrea mm -hmm. loves. Mm -hmm. The first thing she ever ate in a New York City restaurant. Great, because I know so many people after trying to do yeah. these olives. So th there is something like that in the Italian cuisine. Yeah. But they usually stuffed and they're usually huge and they're not as delicious and addictive like a fried olive. Yeah. So it's it's super different. But the batter, it's really light. Like it so isn't. I take right? panko and I grind it on the white breadcrumbs, but we put it in a roboku and, and we, we really make it very, very uh, fine. And we bread it like schnitzel with flour, eggs, and fine panko. And then the second time we do just the egg and another panko. What is nice that Labne is kind of kind of cutting this like the dairy, the like it just like it's just going perfect. And then I have a little bit of risa oil just to have a little bit spicy because it's, I think it needed just like a perfect snack to sit at the bar or just to start your dinner with. I do olives in a million ways. I do beef chick with olives, which is delicious, like Moroccan dish with tomatoes and olives. And then I do my chicken tagine, which is with preserved lemon and a lot of cilantro and fresh lemon as well slices. And then there is a lot of olives there too. So that's another dish that I used to have in my former restaurant, Kishkash. It was North African Jewish cuisine. And that's one of my uh, very famous dishes over there. And you make your own couscous for that, right? Of course. Yeah. I love olive, but I have find when I cook for friends sometimes... They don't like, like olives. Yeah. People say so, they don't like... There's a lot of people who don't like... So you need to choose your friend more carefully. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. I've yeah. actually eliminated a lot of these people yeah. from my life at this point. <laughs> what happens at the restaurant if someone says, do they ever say, I don't want olives in a dish or no olives? Or you don't, they, we don't run into that problem. They're not allowed in. Not allowed. I have one and a half dish of olives right now. So the fried olives is a very, people come especially to Balabusta to have that dish. It's funny because they really crave for that. Somebody don't like olives is not going to order that dish. And if somebody don't like olives, if I do the chicken tagine, he's not going to order that because I'm not picking them up. So the Kalamata region is similar to Champagne. It can only be called a Kalamata olive if it's from that region. If it's not, it's called... Tipo 
Kalamata or Kalamata type. Kalamata. I thought Kalamata, Kalamata is just a, a type. Or or a, a, yeah. cult, a cultivar. Yeah. Is the, the, I know that they're growing Kalamata in different places. They yeah. are. And well, that, they're very protective of that. Yes, it's that Kalamata name. Yes. But the Kalamata olive itself or the, an olive that is very similar to Inet's point, mm -hmm. the cultivar grows all over the Mediterranean. Yes. Yeah. So there are Kalamata type olives that are in Turkey, mm -hmm. uh, they're in other Spain. parts of the Mediterranean basin, Spain. Yeah, like similar to Greece. like Champagne, but then you also have Prosecco and, and you know other wine sparkling Cava, wines. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. What should the home consumer look for when they're purchasing olives? I know you know Whole Foods. Not, do they even have first, the olive the, bars the, anymore and things like yeah, that? Yeah, they do. They do. Yeah. So for me, um, I don't like two bitter olives, but I don't like the you know there's the black one that's sliced that I put on pizza that have no taste. I can understand how people have them. There is so many great olives out there. Kalamata is a great like if you want something safe and great and tasty that give a lot of flavors to your food, Kalamata would be perfect. You should have this like pitted uh, things always that at home I have that for sherry. And An olive pitter? Yeah, yeah. Like olive pitter. I always have that at home because I think it's important if I can find pitted olives, I want to have that. And this is going to give a great saltiness to any dish. Like you can cook that with beef. You can cook that. It will give another layer of unami and salt. I like Kalamata olives pureed, you know, on a flatbread. Yeah. They're very yeah. versatile. It's not just, you know, you could fry them. You can put them in a, yeah. you know, a, a chicken dish or a meat dish, but, you know, it can also be... Tepanan. Yeah, tepanan. I, I want to guess at Chef's Warehouse, we probably offer in the neighborhood of 15 different types of olives that you can eat. Just yeah, in straight varietals. Obviously, yeah. Kalamata is the big one. Mm -hmm. An olive that's become very popular in the last few years or last decade is the Castelvetrano. Mm -hmm. The big green, one? The green big. Yeah, green mm -hmm. big, kind of sweet, soft yeah. flavor to it. I like those in martinis. Yeah, people love that vibrant mm -hmm. color that yeah. they have. A favorite olive of mine is the Tagiasca olive, very which good. is basically a Niçoise olive, but it comes from a particular region in Italy. And those are also very sweet and soft in that part of Italy. They cook them a lot with uh, rabbit or mm. even duck. I love the cuisine of Israel. And I mean, Mediterranean cuisine obviously has been very popular in the States for a long time. But I think really in the last five years, Israeli cuisine is having a moment. What was it like? What was the reception like when you opened in 2010. I have chefs like uh, Danny Bowen came to me and he didn't know what is labne and the first time he ate labne. I have other chefs that come and first time they have Arisa Shakshuka. So it was very nice. It's kind of I'm introducing the New Yorker things they don't know. And it's not like I'm the first, first one to do actually certain things. I think it's happened with Balabusta and Taim, but it was some Israeli restaurant and mid Middle Eastern. I think nobody called it Israeli restaurant back then. People got scared of owning it and also got scared of Middle East as well, you know, saying Middle East to America, and especially after 9-11 was pretty tricky. Still today, I have chef friends that said, oh my God, I still remember the first time. I, and now everybody use it, you know, everybody used tahini, preserve, all, all these Middle Eastern ingredients. Everybody, in every contemporary American restaurant, you will find this ingredient. I think people think of it as A, delicious, also very healthy and clean, and it's ingredient driven, which is what I think so many people are looking for, The these flavors coming 
out of certain ingredients. And the two things you just mentioned, labne and shakshuka, I don't think I'd heard of them 10 years ago. Maybe I had, but I think you're really, you, you're very... Balabusta brought a yeah. lot of stuff. I think Staim also brought sabich here. Now you hear about sabich everywhere. No one did sabich. And I check okay, it. Tell me because I don't even know what that okay, is. Okay, so sabich <laughs> is basically, it's a sandwich at Taim that is fried eggplant, hard-boiled egg, and then amba. And amba, it's a fenugreek and green mango chutney. It's actually Iraqi. Came through India. It's super interesting how it came to Israel as well. And when people talk about Israeli food and food appropriation and what is Palestinian and Arabic food, I always like, we have our own food too. Like sabich, it's something that a Jewish Iraqi guy brought from Iraq to Israel and developed that sandwich over there. And now you will see sabich almost everywhere. Every sandwich shop. Sometimes I call, call it different because the word is too hard to pronounce. Sabich? Sabich, yeah. It's my favorite sandwich in the whole world. Here's another thing. We're going to change gears. Andrea was telling me this morning that you have a side gig, a side hustle, and that you're now doing stand-up comedy in New York City. Yeah, for two years now. Where do you do this? I want to do something for me because I'm very busy. I always work. And I said, okay, let's, I want to do comedy. I love comedy. Do you have favorite American comedians? Uh, a lot, but I love lately Michael Che a lot. And I realized we have the same birthday. It's very exciting. I really love him. And what he stands for is, there is many, a lot of good ones. Jessica Kirsten. I decided I want to do something for me. And uh, I start a class and it's like five lessons, three hours each. So it's long. And then they give you two shows to do in the comedy cellar. And that was two, three years ago. And now just three Recently, I did another one. So I did a new set. But at the same time, I'm also doing all the food for Comedy Cellar now. So I do all the consulting for the Olive Tree Cafe. And so I'm changing the whole food there. So it's actually working pretty cool. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Is it scary getting up on stage? It's the scariest things I ever did. And I did scary stuff. So you have Balabusta and Taim. You're doing the food at the Comedy Cellar. You're, I know, you know, Cook Unity, right? Uh, Yeah. How's that going? Amazing my favorite company in the whole world. Talk to us about Cook Unity, Andrew. What is it? Because I know Chef's Warehouse works with them. Yeah, it's a... Oh, great. Really amazing uh, concept. Beautiful. They have 30-something chefs, over 30 chefs now, in New York. I'm opening next week, Chicago, actually. I opened already LA six months ago. They're curating. There is chefs in the commissary. Each one have his own cuisine and doing like 10, 20 dishes, rotating. And people just order packaging food that all you need is to put it in the oven. It's not frozen, oven or microwave. And I actually order for my kids. And so every week we have six to eight dishes at home. It's inexpensive compared to everything else out there. It's a great ingredients as well. They really care. And the company is growing, run by an amazing CEO, Matteo. And it's nice to see, you know, I, I deal with a lot of people in my life. And when you see somebody that growing and still like stand strong to who he is and what he believes, it's like, it's such a I think admirable. it's like a platform for a lot of chefs who wanted to you know, maybe they can't open a restaurant. They don't have the funding to do that. Yes. So they have this kitchen. They can put out their recipes and, you know, people can, you know, buy their meals. I think it caught on. And now there's a whole plethora of celebrity chefs like, you know, Inat. Yes, it's nice. It's I think it's helped a lot of chefs, including myself, when things got really tough, gave 
us a little bit leverage to, you know, the income that I can make from Cook Unity. It's outrageous. It's something you never see in restaurants. What's next for you? Wow. I'm writing a book now. A memoir, actually, for a change. Is this your third book? Yeah, but I have a crazy story behind me. So I really was thinking for years if I want to actually open it up and uh, tell my story. And then I decided last year that I should because this story can actually be very inspirational and very helpful for a lot of women and men. So I'm going to start that. Yeah. I'm very intrigued by that little... The book, right? That little memoir sniglet you just shared yeah. read on your website. After growing up in Israel, you it says you were a gypsy in Germany. <laughs> I love that word, a gypsy. Okay, so after the military, every kid saves some money or you have parents with money and they're going to travel. And basically they're going to India or South America. And I decide that I don't have any money. So the best I could get is to Switzerland. I, I each hike from Switzerland to Germany. The idea is that I'm getting to Germany to a company and I'm working selling stuff on the street. That's the plan. That's what, what I did you, for four years. Selling? Oh, wow. selling a lot of different things. It started back then with pictures, like, and then it was ties, and it was many different. Every time it was something else. So what was the shift to becoming a professional chef? So after six years of traveling and realized I need to do something, so I said, what I can do that I never get bored? And cooking came very easy. Like, that's something I always love. I went to culinary school, and that's, it was 10 months. That's the whole program. A very famous culinary in Israel, Tadmor, and 10 months, and even the 10 months for something I love look almost too long. And then I work in the best restaurant in Israel back then. It's just changed. It was a very famous restaurant called Keren, one of the most prestige restaurants in Israel. And the chef just changed from, a lot of people changed back then from French old cuisine to like local, something that we didn't have 20 years ago and 25 years ago. Andrew, have you been to Israel? I'm dying to go and eat in Israel it's, it's incredible. Amazing. What is nice that you don't need to pay so much to eat amazing food. There's so many pups and mom places, so many like street food carts and so many like amazing, like almost everywhere you would go, any cafe, there was good food. And that's how I like to eat. I want yeah. authentic. My favorite home. meal though yes. in Israel is breakfast. Like yeah, Israeli, breakfast? Israeli breakfast? That's what I do when I take people to yeah. Israel. It's a huge spread of 10, 20 different cheeses, a lot of soft cheeses, yes. not like French Camembert brie, yeah? It's more like Israeli soft and lighter cheeses for breakfast. And then it's going to be all cure um, fish. So it's going to be like lacerda and um, airing and all that. Like Then they're going to do a, a, a burekas. Then they do salad, many, the many salads. greens and salads. Then they're going to do in some places the Yamanite section, which is that's where I'm from. And it's like Jachnun and they will do Malawach and it's... and Wait, then what's Jachnun? It's a... Uh, okay, so Yamanite known for a lot of different dough. A lot of the dough is baked overnight. So right. 12 hours. Kubane, Jachnun. Jachnun is basically a dough that roll open and then like roll again. It's a lot of more... Just delicious bread. It is delicious bread. And then it's like 12 hours, baked 12 hours. That's something we... I grew up every Saturday morning, we have Jachnun at home. And then, of course, section of uh, fresh omelette or whatever. Endless of like breakfasty, great things. No meat. Is breakfast the main meal in, of the day no. in Israel? Or no, is but it? it's important one. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's a main meal. For us, it's dinner. And the other thing in Israel that I thought was so good, and I don't know if it's because it was so hot because we were there in August... 
the watermelon. Another, Great produce about, overall. Yeah. I was going like to say, we could talk tomatoes about... Tomatoes and cucumbers and... Pomegranates. Um, they so, have like the... It's also one of the largest producers of fresh herbs in, yeah, in the world that's now. True. Dates. We are great. We used to be also, people don't know that, but Foie Gras was the biggest place. Israel was one of the biggest places. I didn't know that. Sure. Michael yeah. Gnor, who started Hudson Michael, Valley Foie Gras, spent a lot of time in Israel. That's true. But also, uh, we used to import to France a lot. And I was shocked when I heard that. And I saw actually product. My husband is French from Provence. And I used to see a lot of different product in France from Israel. I always was laughing. I want to go back. Amazing. I need to go. Yes. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This has been an amazing conversation. It's made me want to go to Israel more than ever and have breakfast. So you can follow Chef Ainat on Instagram. Her her handle is Chef Ainat. Uh, you know, the amazing Labna olives at Balabusa, amazing falafel at Taim. Of Thanks course, for joining thank us. you. It's been great. Sure. This episode is sponsored by Syros Olives from Greece, a longtime partner of the Chef's Warehouse. So Andrea, today we're going to be speaking with Haris Suros from Greece, from his amazing family's olive company, Siros Olives. Welcome, Harris. Nice to meet you and nice to join in this uh, conversation about uh, our company. We're so excited to talk to you about, especially about Kalamata olives. John tells me you're the king of olives. Is that true? Uh, I think so, yes. We believe so. Harris is our supplier of amazing Kalamata olives. We've worked with him for so many years. Where in Greece are you based, Harris? We are based in central Greece, in a city named uh, Volos, north from Athens, around 300 kilometers by the coast, in front of the famous mountain of Pilion. Is your office surrounded by fields of olive trees? Yes, the, our area is famous for uh, olive trees that cultivated for many years, I can say more than 100 years. The majority of the olive trees in our area is what we call from the Amphisa variety, the other big uh, variety of Greek table olives. The usual what we call them, uh, they are famous in the USA also as a Greek black round olives. But of course in our area, we have also the last uh, 20, 30 years, some farmers that they start cultivating also the variety of Kalamata olives. And how did your family get into the olive business? company established back in 1926 from uh, my grandfather named Nicholas Schuras. There is a tradition here in the area because of the local olive trees with a local variety that uh, starting uh, bringing the olives from the farmers and doing, you know, what we call by, by that time uh, the middleman. So he started involved uh, buying the, taking the olives from the farmers and trying to sell them to the local traders, processing also by himself the olives in the old traditional facility and trying to sell the olives in the local market here. He expanded his facility and started doing also exports uh, besides the local variety of the olives, doing also other varieties like the green olives or the Kalamata to the rest of the European countries. And at this moment, I can say that uh, the company every year processed more than uh, nine to 10,000 uh, tons of uh, the main varieties of Greek olives and exported to most of uh, European countries, Australia, USA, with a total uh, revenue of uh, exports more than uh, 95% uh, every year. That's amazing. So this is a family business, 96 years you've been together. First of all, Andrea and I want to come to Greece 
in four years so we can celebrate your 100th anniversary. Absolutely. Oh, yes, for sure. You are welcome. You are welcome. You can have a big party, I bet. Let's talk about the specifics of Kalamata olives. When are the olives harvested? What month do they do that? The main cultivation areas uh, in Greece, there are the three. One in south of uh, Greece named the area Peloponnese. Uh, Laconia mostly near the city of Kalamata, where it takes also the name of the Kalamata variety. One uh, is at, on the in the central part of Greece, and one on the west part of Greece. So three three main regions. The harvesting uh, in order to the product to to ripen on the tree and to to have this natural black, nice and violet color. The harvesting should be done uh, in let's say beginning of November by end of December. So now we are in the in the period of harvesting the fresh, the new crop Kalamata olives. So we know that the olives are graded by size and appearance. Sometimes I see Kalamata olives that are very dark, deep purple color, which I, or I think it's purple. And then I sometimes have seen them where they're almost like a blonde color, like a lighter brown tan color which is the better is it better that they're a darker olive or better that they're a lighter olive i've always wondered this what you mentioned is exactly what uh, comes as a result of the naturality of the product kalamata is a naturally fermented and naturally ripe olives that means that the color of the finished product that the consumer uh, sees that uh, is the color that obtained originally on the tree there is no any chemical procedure in order to help or to uh, improve the color of the product. So it's pretty much based on how ripe the fruit is. You're waiting to pick the fruit until it's that purple color. This is depending very much on the weather conditions during the autumn, because the fruit from summertime, once started, you know, after the flower to have the fruit on the trees, the fruit at the beginning, it is green color. And then the farmers, they have to wait during the autumn season. The more dark the product is better. But of course, also, it's a matter of, as I said before, depending from which region the product comes, but nothing to do with the real quality of the product or the nutritional uh, facts of the product and so on. But it's just a matter of, you know, uh, Harris, what are the top ways that people in Greece are using the Kalamata olives in restaurants? Well, for example, they have the Greek, the salad, no matter what kind of salad, but always in a Greek uh, traditional family table, you have also the feta cheese and the bowl with uh, Kalamata olives. And depending the region, beside the Kalamata, maybe you can have some other options as well. It's also true that in many restaurants, uh, at the beginning, as an appetizer, they used to bring some kalamata olives in in olive oil, in extra virgin olive oil. In many cases now, they start offering the kalamata olive paste with the bread, you know, at the beginning. Well, Harris, this has been a really great conversation. I think Andrea and I both have learned a lot about kalamata olives and certainly the story, I mean, 96 years of a family business is nothing to uh, bat an eye at. That's no. really incredible. And we sell a ton of these olives at Chef's Warehouse. I think it's definitely a, a staple for most of our chef customers. You'll find Kalamata olives in their pantry. So we appreciate the partnership with Ciro's. It's more than 30 years now that we cooperate. And also we realized the, the increase of business of the group of Chef's Warehouse now. And uh, we're proud that uh, we are one of your suppliers. And for sure, in this main item for you and for your business, the famous Kalamata Gricolis. Thank you very much also for this relation. 
Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Ingredient Insiders, where chefs talk. Like what you hear? Write us a review and follow us on Instagram at Ingredient Insiders. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.